You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Before we get into the podcast... Let's start with an intro about something very important. The Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. Hey, you can't be doing intros. That's my... What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. All three back and with you. I know that's uh, almost a rare feat at this point in time. I feel like every single week one of us is missing, usually Alex. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did you all a favor last week. All right, I did you all a favor. I saved your ears from, you know, that that embarrassment that was going on. Oh, it's Um, okay. Nobody actually cares. It's fine. Uh, you know, I'm sure someone out there does. Probably okay. maybe one or two listeners at least. Hayden well, Flurry you're back cares. now. Hey, that's yeah, Hayden Flurry cares. That's all that matters. There you go. All right. Well, we are back in action. Um, we are actually recording. By the time you guys will be hearing this, the Hurricanes will have played their ninth game of the season against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, that is going on, or the puck is going to drop on that in about an hour from right now. Um, but we have plenty to talk about this week. Um we had an impressive NHL debut the other night that I'm sure is going to get a lot of attention right here. Um, Frederick Anderson was named the NHL's third star of the month, very deservedly so. And uh, yeah, well, lots of other stuff to get into too. So why don't we just start right there with Jarvis, as a matter of fact. Um, he only played about 10 minutes in his NHL debut the other night against, uh, against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and he was playing on the fourth line, so he's playing with Stevie Lawrence and Derek Stepan. Um, but... I would say he was really, really impressive. Um, he had probably could have had three primary assists in that game alone. Uh, he hits and a goal. Rest. Yeah, well, and a goal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had that punch chance right in front of the net that looked like an empty net, and uh, Dimitri Jaskin was just in the way. Really, <laughs> like happened to be floating through the crease, and that was something I noticed. Oddly enough, this is just a little aside, but I felt like all night long the Coyotes were just jumping into their net. Like, Goss's bear was in there twice, just laying down on the goal line. Like, it's, it seemed like they were just doing a very, very severe version of crashing the crease, which a lot of teams do that. You know, when the puck goes to the middle of their ice, all their forwards and everybody seemed to really cram the middle of the ice to, you know, just be there for support. But it seems like the Coyotes took that to another level and were just jumping into the crease like crazy. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah, just put your defenseman <laughs> literally face down in the net. That's new age defending. Right, right. Amen. Seriously. You but, do what um, you gotta no, do. I mean, Jarvis was definitely making plays all over the ice. Uh, could have had, again, four chances, you know, two, one from uh, Jordan Stahl where he fed him down low for a stuff chance that nearly went in, and then uh, two for Stevie Lawrence. Um, and he just was unable to capitalize on. 
Um, so what did you guys think about him? And what do you think we're going to see out of him moving forward? Do you think he's going to end up spending most of this year if he stays in Carolina on that fourth line? Or do you think he's going to kind of force, his, force Rob Brendan Moore's hand into giving him some more ice time? Uh, right, that was kind of long-winded. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, I'm with you, Brendan. I was, uh, I was impressed with, with Jarvis's game overall, I thought. You know, for a debut, it went about as well as you could expect. Um, you know, I, I will say one thing I really noticed with him, though, was, you know, especially on the power play when the Hurricanes are trying to establish offensive zone possession. And, I mean, they're on the power play a lot. I felt like, especially in the second two, like the second and third period, it felt like that was almost the only time Jarvis was on the ice. I think he only yeah. played about four minutes after the first period. But Yeah, I think about half he, his time came on the power play, actually. I think yeah, I yeah, and it really felt that way, but. You know, definitely um, it was noticeable that, you know, along the wall, he was just uh, overmatched physically. And, you know, you'd expect it. He's still a kid, right? He's only 19 years old. And that's not his his game isn't to be a heavy presence or he's never going to establish, you know, a real tone physically. He's a finesse player. And, you know, uh, at this point, I mean, Chicago has some big bodies on defense and it just he got pushed around a couple of times. But, you know, Arizona. uh, yeah, yeah, Arizona. So I've just, just so much Chicago lately. It's just, you know, they're kind of in my head with. And then the, again tonight. Yeah, exactly. I'm sick of them uh, just in general. But, you know, um, yeah, beyond just, you know, the physical element of what what kind of holds Jarvis back at this point, I think, you know, that play he made in the third period to on the back check to break up that Roussel odd man rush, I mean, my God, um, that, that's going to go such a long way for a guy, for a coach like Rod Brindamore. Like you think back to the preseason when he said, you know, Jarvis has a lot to work on away from the puck. And, you know, in his NHL debut, he's doing something like that. Basically a, a game saving uh, break up there in the third period where he really uh, put Roussel off his chance. And, um, you know, obviously still a work in progress, but you did see that kind of effort um, in his first game. And, um, just just how he played overall it wasn't all offense you know he makes the play like that and you're like okay well this kid's doing all he can to really round out his game and start growing and he's working on what the coaching staff um, wanted him to work on and uh, I, I think that's a good sign um, it'll definitely go a long way to, to earning the trust of you know Rod Brindamore and hopefully getting him some more minutes especially with Jordan Martinuk being forced in the top six right now I mean you want Jarvis doing everything he can to get himself in a position to have more ice time, especially with your most um, your, your most talented players. So um, definitely a good debut, and we'll see how it goes here for him. Yeah, and in, in the bit that I was able to watch of that game, Jarvis looked noticeable at times, and then, you know, he did kind of – when the puck wasn't in the offensive zone, he did struggle a little bit. I really liked him in transition. I think – if you put somebody that can finish on his line, I think he's going to be utilized more properly, I guess is the right way to say it. I don't know, but I think you guys nailed it. He he could have had at least two or three primary assists. He almost scored. I don't know how he didn't. And, you know, I think he has what it takes to be an NHL player soon. Still not totally sure he'll be able to contend against the more physical teams just yet, but I like what I'm seeing so far, right? The good thing is he's a fast learner. He's had um, two days of practice to 
watch some film, see what worked, what didn't work, and then kind of, you know, adjust. And he's also, now he knows what the NHL is like, right? It's not like the preseason anymore. This is an actual real NHL hockey game. And so who knows? Maybe he might look better tonight. Might Maybe he might see a couple extra shifts out there. It depends. Um, I didn't hate him on the power play. I think our second unit as a whole really misses Nino. Yeah. Um, just for that big body, either on the boards or in front of the net. I think they really missed that. But I think Jarvis looked good. I'm still keeping expectations pretty low because that was the Coyotes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that some very positive signs for um, the future. Yeah, and you, you know what? Um, what you said about Nino, man, like, it, it, it's actually really just too bad that he's the guy who got hurt. I mean, you don't want to see anybody hurt, but, I, I mean, I, I, the way I'm looking at it, like, a line of Nino Niederreiter, Jordan Stahl, and Seth Jarvis playing with those two guys would literally be, you know, the, the perfect way to transition him into the NHL where, you know, obviously we're at a point now where Jordan Stahl actually has some offense to his game. He's not just a black hole anymore. And, you know, we, <laughs> no one got me. We, we, we know what Nino Niederreiter can do, you know, when he gets the puck in dangerous areas, he puts it in the net and, if if Jarvis was playing with two guys like that, who both guys are defensively responsible, both guys go along the wall, and when when they're bashing bodies, they usually come out with the puck, so they can go to the dirty areas, and Jarvis can create space for himself in the offensive zone and create the offense for that line. I just think it would be a perfect, perfect fit, but, you know, now with Niederreiter out, and we don't really know how long Jarvis is going to stick around, I, I still love the potential of that line, um, it's just it's too bad we, we're probably never going to get to see it because you know we don't know if Nido, if Niederreiter is going to be back next year we don't know you know where Jarvis will slot in next year maybe he'll be ready to play top six minutes we don't know but uh, I, I do really like the thought of that line um, yeah it's too bad we'll never get to see it because you know no disrespect to the Stevie Lorenz and Derek Stepan I mean they've been fine Lawrence. in their roles but Lawrence yeah sorry sorry I'm still getting used to it yeah but, we, are, I mean, we did it last uh, week yeah, I mean, like playing with those guys, it's 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 hard to consistently create offense, and you know you'd like to see Jarvis continue to earn trust, continue to put himself in spots where, you know, maybe in games where the Hurricanes are trailing, the the coaching staff will have enough faith in him to play him alongside Sebastian Ajo, so we don't have, you know, first line Jordan Martinuk out there with the game on the line trying to score a goal. So yeah. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Niederreiter, and I kind of wanted to go there for just a minute. Um, and actually, we have a new piece out on the Hockey Writers. We did our weekly roundtable piece. That's going to be a piece we do every single week. So make sure you all watch out for that. The second edition was up uh, as of this morning, as a matter of fact. So check that out. Um, but one of the questions that Alex actually posed and we answered um, was, you know, who you were looking to step up with Niederreiter's absence. And. You know, at the time, the answer I gave was Natchez is going to step up now. We need him to. And, um, and that, that still rings true. And I also said Vincent Trocek because I, I feel like at times Trocek has been a little quieter than I expected. He's also had some very, very good games and put up a bunch of points. But he's, I just said he'd been a little bit hit or miss. So we could use a little more consistency out of him. But, you know, I, I really wanted to point this out because the answer that I think you're actually the one that gave really was like, that's really who it is. Um, he's actually the guy that's going to be in uh, Niederreiter's spot on Jordan Stahl's line tonight. 
And that is Jesperi Kokaniemi. Um, Cause yeah. one of the things and we've talked about this a bit, we've noticed is, is he's just been very heavy on in the corners and just been much more willing to engage in the physical play than we really expected. And that's a lot of what Niederreiter brings and part of why he's such a valuable asset to this team is his ability to get on on the floor check and retrieve pucks in the corners and, you know, be a little bit of a pest. So I'm really excited to see him get a chance on that line because that Jordan Stahl line has been the Hurricanes most consistent, probably game to game this season. It seems like every single game they've done something very, very well, or lots of things very, very well, just played very, very well. So I'm really excited to see if Kakaniemi can kind of just recreate the same kind of um, presence that Nina Ryder has for the last couple of years for the Hurricanes. And uh, I think that line will really be one to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, as much as I would like to say that, I'd rather see Kakaniemi, you know, maybe in the top six and, you know, Jordan Martinuk where he belongs. Um, I'm sorry to say it, but, I mean, we circle back to, the summer when we were all debating if the Hurricanes should have re-signed Martinuk or not, you know, what he means to the team. And yeah, you can't deny, you can't deny that his presence is huge in that locker room and in his role, he's great. But I mean, my biggest problem coming into the season and negotiating a new contract with Martinuk is that you know how much Rod Brindamore loves him and you know how often he gets over slotted. So it's, it doesn't make sense to me uh, particularly to have Martin Oak with, I guess, probably your two most talented offensive players. Um, I, I mean, no disrespect to Svetch, but I mean, you know, we, we, he's with Aho and Tara Vine and then those guys really are, they're a big driving force of everything you do offensively. And to, to keep putting Martin Oak with them, it's just, it's continuing to beat a dead horse. Uh, it's, I can't, still can't understand it, but, as you said, it does give Coach Kanyemi a good chance where, you know, he's going to be playing with, like you said, two of the most consistent players on the team this year. And, you know, he's been showing a lot of the same elements that Nino brings. I mean, he's been spending a lot more time parked in front of the the opposing net than I expected. I, di- I didn't realize he was such a valuable net front guy. Um, and, you know, even at his size, he's about 6'2", 200. I didn't really expect him to have quite the physical edge that he does. Um, so it's going to be a good opportunity for him too. But I just, like you said, um, or even like I said in the article as well, I just, I think Nino Niederreiter is such an an, un, an unreplaceable uh, player for this group where his presence is just, you, you know, he, he's, he brings an element that we just really don't have, um, especially with the way this group of wingers is kind of set up. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's definitely going to be an adjustment, but, you know, how much you're going to worry about something like that when you've got an eight and no record. I, I guess it remains to be seen. Right. Nino is very important. And we're, I think, especially in the coming weeks, we're going to find that out. Right. And when we play against the more physical teams, I think that's going to show a little bit. Um, and kind of speaking on Kokaniemi. I can't tell whether I like him or not. Is that is that a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, I I think he's okay. Um, but there are times when he just doesn't do anything. Like sure. he's he's very hot and cold, and I'm willing to give him another like you know we're we're at game eight, so maybe after like twenty or so games, you know, 
I'm willing to wait on an evaluation, but right now he's very hot and cold. And um, I like that he's playing with the Finns. I think that if there's anything to improve a player and give that player a confidence boost, it's playing with Sebastian Ajo and Tebo Teravainen, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, I want to see more. And maybe that's just because, oh, he was a third overall draft pick. But um, I definitely want to see, especially on the playmaking side, more from him. Or I want to see him as a more established shooter, and I haven't seen that yet either. But that's just me. I think the yeah. team, uh, really, there's no complaints about the team. This is just nitpicky, right? We're 8-0. Right. The team's looked great. Goaltending, well, basically Anderson and Branta, you had that one start. Goaltending was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, like, if you look back, man, it's it's always been a – like the hurricanes it's just they've had this knack of where it's kind of been the guys always seem to kind of settle in in the system in their second year i mean you see the difference that uh jesper foss has had in his second year um you Mm saw dougie hamilton's transition from his first to his second year even brady shea last year i thought you know i mean his first year was only what like 10 games but um you know it, it seems like guys as they really learn the system and begin to settle in that's when you, you know they, they kind of I don't know it's just it's it's a situation where it's it takes guys for whatever reason a little while to figure out I, I guess the ins and out of the Hurricanes system and the best way for them to play and produce um so I'm not really worried about Kokaniema yet um you know like Brandon said I've definitely been pleasantly surprised with his physicality um and yeah, I haven't really seen anything dynamic as an offensive creator yet, but I mean, he's playing a position he hasn't played in the NHL before. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of circumstances where, you know, you can kind of make an excuse for him um, of why he might not quite be producing like you would expect from a third overall pick. Um, it's obviously a wait and see. But Does yeah, this feel like, I mean, um, for me, he's 21 oh, years old and like he's working really hard, like he's made a lot of plays happen with his work ethic and physicality even. And I mean, how many times has he been the net front presence on a goal already three at least. So like those don't count towards the score sheet when he doesn't get a piece of them, but the game winning goal last game, I thought he deflected actually. So he doesn't get that goal, but he's that's playing a huge role in the game winning goal. And there's been at least two others where he was either the net drive that caused the defenseman to open up space for a goal or was the direct screen on the goalie that caused the shot to get through. So it's not like, you know, even if he only has three points, you're like, okay, that's pretty weak. And I know lots of Montreal fans are saying that, but I've seen his impact as being a lot more than the score sheet would show. I I agree though. There are times when he looks pretty hesitant with the puck and just kind of indecisive out there, which I think uh, with time and comfort in the system, I think that'll get better, but just wait and see. Yeah. I think it's a confidence thing. Yeah. Um, just because you know Montreal sucks to play in, man. <laughs> with the with the media pressure and just the environment that that team creates, I think it, it's really you have to have very thick skin to play there. And you know, I'm not saying that Kokaniemi doesn't, right? But like, it's a tough market, and here it's a very no pressure market for now. But I mean, hey, look at what's <laughs> different from last year and this year. They made the Cup Finals last year with Kokaniemi on the roster, and now he's gone. 
Well, there's a lot okay. of other players off of that roster. No, no, it's no, kind no. of it's, yeah, it's because Scott Kenyemi. <laughs> right. like, let's be honest here. Yeah, screw Shea Weber, Philip Deneau, Carey Price. And, Who? You know, I don't know any of those other guys. guys. Right. Never heard of him. Hey, and even the even the lesser flurry. Did he play in the? I don't know. This is like a legitimate question. I know nothing about. No, I actually I don't know either. Okay. Isn't Kale Flurry in? He's not. Yeah, he's in. He's in Seattle. He's in. That's what Oh, oh, that's what you're saying. Okay, whatever. He was their expansion draft pick. Um. But yeah, so I think as the time goes along, we will see a more confident player. I'm just like. It's the one nitpicky thing that I can think of about this season so far. And the penalties. The penalties have been... Eh. Well, at least the penalty kill has been good. Right. You know, that's that's why the penalties aren't as much of an issue. It's just because our penalty kill is so damn good. But um, how do you guys feel about... Um, have you guys noticed that Svetch has been better about retaliation this season? Dude, last game he even drew a couple of penalties, didn't he? Yeah, like well because he didn't retaliate. Right, he's learning, man. I mean, uh, I think he retaliated. I, I think he's definitely made it a point to improve in those areas. Um, I'm sure it's something that Brendan Moore has been harping on for what three years now. <laughs> so, I mean, he was bound to get better as he matured and you know got used to the league officiating. That's part of it too, because um, I mean he was this young flashy kid. Maybe he has a little bit of a reputation, so it's not like they're not going to be looking for him. And when he had the dumb retaliatory penalties, like they're going to call that every time on a young player. He's not old enough to get that call. It's a meme for a reason. <laughs> like, Brendan Moore is going to Brendan Moore's been threatening him with signing <laughs> Lucas Walmart again, so he'll put him on a line with Martin Nook and Walmart. <laughs> Damn. This mm. is like, God, no, please. <laughs> Finally, going to stop taking penalties. Um, right, yeah, like, Stevie Lawrence, man, he drew two or three penalties last game too. There yeah, was, a couple. Uh, or it, yeah, I was think it was Arizona. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I don't know. I can't remember at this point. He drew but, like a really dumb. I think it was like a trip or a cross check. He drew a couple. It was more than one, and I was just like, damn, because I tweeted about it and I said, man, this kid's everywhere. He's outworking them. They're having to grab him. They can't contain Lawrence. Oh man, yeah. He his his growth over the off season. I mean, he told us about it, but. He's, he looks like a completely different player. I mean, you see the confidence he has with the puck. Um, He's got to start scoring, man. Yeah. yeah. Get a skills coach, bud. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> he's, he's, he's getting there. He is. He, he looks a lot better. He's getting to the point where I think the team would be confident in having him on the fourth line, right? Um, not saying that they're not, but I'm like, you know, for a player to solidify a spot, they have to do all of the stuff that he's doing on a consistent basis, right? Like Derek Stepan, the team wouldn't have brought Derek Stepan in if they didn't know that this is the player he's going to be every night. So, yeah, he's getting there. I've, I've liked his game a lot. I think as soon as, um, I think he's been noticeable again in ways that aren't on the score sheet. Um, just his presence in front of the net is a bit of a pain for other teams. And I just think the fact that nothing phases him is really funny. 
because other teams will start to take penalties because they just can't get in his head. He's too damn positive. All right, so we're going to jump into some other things in just a minute. Um, But before we do, we're going to take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. <laughs> so, if you were listening to this, you have just finished the first half of the episode. What had happened was, when we originally recorded, we talked about the potential... Um, pending Eichel trade but it was before any of the actual news or even where he was going came down so a lot of what we talked about was the Calgary Flames and now that we know where he's going none of that episode really makes a lot of sense to uh to put out and also Alex and uh, Matt are not able to get on again tonight it is now Thursday as after we recorded on Wednesday um so instead I am bringing in our good friend Andrew Schnicker of the Wilson Times and uh Kane's Country well, appreciate you jumping on here, buddy, and uh, talking to me for a few minutes. Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it. Good stuff. All right, well, and you know what? Before we jump into the Eichel uh, deal real quick, we will talk a little bit about last night's game. Um, obviously, the Hurricanes probably had their worst 40-minute stretch of the season, I would say, if you ask me. Um, the first two periods, they just – I mean, they couldn't even hardly stand up. They were fumbling the puck all over the place. Um but then they go into the third period and all of a sudden it's like, okay, uh, we're going to start playing now. And next thing you know, they have the lead and they definitely didn't coast to a four to three win because all of a sudden they wanted to take penalty after penalty after penalty, but the penalty kill stood tall and uh, they ended up with the win. So what were your biggest takeaways from last night? And what do you think it says about this team that like, I mean, even when they play that poorly for that long and then have that much stacked against them when they finally start playing well, they still come out with two points. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a formula I think you want to try to repeat very often. But look, there's going to be nights in the NHL where you don't have it. You just don't – you don't have your A game and you need two, one of two things or ideally two of two things to carry you, or three maybe, your special teams, your star power, and your goaltending. We've seen plenty of nights in for teams of Hurricanes yesteryear where they were the better team, but they just weren't as talented. And a couple, the other team just made a couple plays, and boom, you lose. We've we saw it last year. We've seen it a couple times this year with the Hurricanes being on the flip side of that. You know, last night. I mean, again, um, the skill that started it, which was awesome, was Seth Jarvis with his first NHL goal on the breakaway. Um, they scored twice in a – what was it? I mean, I didn't actually see either of the second – the third period goals live because it was when uh, the Bali Sports app stroked out last night and I was trying to find a way to watch. 
mean, the first goal you have Svechnikov sets it up for Jesper Foss. And I mean, that, that's kind of like a microcosm of what we're talking about with the Hurricanes not being like Svechnikov wasn't really all that great last night, but he had two assists. Like, right. And then Martin Natchez scores the winner. And then for the rest of the third period, Frederick Anderson was great. And the penalty kill was lights out. And the Hurricanes were six for six on the penalty kill. So. Again, not a, if, if you start the way the Hurricanes did against Chicago, against like Tampa Bay or Florida in either of your next two games, you're probably going to be down 4 nothing. But yeah. there's, there's going to be nights where you need that stuff to carry you, and it's nice that the Hurricanes now actually have the ability to do that. Right, and, and you mentioned the um, two upcoming games against Florida and Tampa Bay, and that may have played a big part in it. Maybe it was a bit of a look-ahead situation where, um, you know, they overlook the Blackhawks. You know, that could be all there is to it, really. Um, and, well, again, they came through in the third period and still walked away with two points anyway, and for a lot of the reasons you just said with the uh, special teams, the goaltending, and your star power. Um, there is one thing we should probably also talk about, and that was the Brett Pesci injury. Um, that is definitely something that's hanging over the team right now because yeah. there are very few players as irreplaceable in that lineup as what Brett, as Brett Pesci. Um, I mean, just from everything he does, he's on the second power play unit even now, and he's a huge part of your penalty kill. And I mean, even even strength, like he's tasked with shutting down. You know, maybe Slavin obviously gets the um top player or top line from the other team usually. So he'll get the Barkovs and the Kucherovs or well, just kidding, Kucherov doesn't play in the regular season, but you know you get what I'm saying. Um yeah. <laughs> but Pesci's, you know, the second wave to fight off the second lines for most teams. So it's hopefully he's okay and at, at the very least it's not a long term thing because that's definitely a player the can't hurricanes can't afford to lose. Yeah, that's kind of a cloud hanging over everything right now. They were off today, so you don't really know. I would think the fact that he went back to the bench and even went back out and took a shift in the game would be somewhat of a positive sign that it's not At least not long-term, yeah. I would think – you would think they probably did x-rays. Yeah. So there, there should – before they sent him back out there, so there shouldn't be anything broken. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everything you just mentioned – He's had another phenomenal start to the season. Um, huge part of both special teams unit. I mean, obviously, Logs, big minutes on the penalty kill. And so far this year, he's been the power play two quarterback. If he's going to be out, I would love to see what Ethan Bear could do on the power play. Um, oh, I know too. you're a proponent of that of, of that as well. But um, Yeah, Alex and I have talked about that yeah, a good bit right no, here. If, if, I mean, if you had to come up with, like, your top – three to five players that this team could not afford to lose. Brett Pesci, I think, would definitely be on that list. Right. Yeah. Um, and before we get into the Eichel talk, um, <laughs> I do just want to get your thoughts real quick since you're here. We've already talked about Jarvis a lot, you know, because he already really impressed us in his NHL debut. And um, obviously he didn't actually score. So now we do have that to talk about on top of it. Great effort. I mean, you saw his speed to pull away from Eric Gustafson, who's not a slow defenseman. Um, and then you know, maybe it was an accidental deke that ends up going in, but I mean, it's still a showcase of skill just to get down there and he's putting the move on. He kind of gets harassed from behind and the puck goes underneath Mark Andre Fleury, future hall of fame goaltender. It's a heck of a way to score your first goal. Um, but what have you seen from him? Um, and do you think he's here to stay for one? And <laughs> do you think he's ever going to get moved up the lineup? <laughs> 
you know, it's hard. It's tough to say after two games if he's here to stay. You know, a lot of times kids first come up, you kind of and start playing in the NHL. They're kind of riding that burst of adrenaline those sure. first games, and they play really well. Uh, but I mean, he's looked great. He's looked good. He's made plays in the offensive zone, and I think of more importance for this team and for Rod Brindamore. Obviously, he hasn't looked out of place at all in the defensive zone. I think his defensive awareness is really good. Do I think he gets moved up the lineup? Um, Like all of us, Rod Brindamore is a man who is very good at a lot of things, but he has his flaws. And I think some from time to time lineup construction seems, and look, I mean, he's, he's a coach who he trusts his veteran guys and he's, he's always been a little bit wary of giving younger players more responsibility. Now, I think Jarvis can earn that, um, but then again, I mean, you saw Andrei Svechnikov playing with, you know, I think it was Jordan Martinuk and Lucas Walmark his in, pretty much his entire rookie season, so it could take some time, but um, so the answer, I mean, the answer is like that you're looking for. I think he's looked great. It's too early to say if he's here to stay. Um, I think at the very least, hopefully the timing will line up right that um Nino Niederreiter would be back before or at the same time as the um nine games are up so that that's like not something where the Hurricanes would have to keep him longer out of necessity and then make it which I'm sure they wouldn't do that but um right but I I think at the very least we're going to get because Nino is going to be out a little bit longer and they have those nine games we're going to get to see more of what he can do over these next couple of weeks. So I think the jury's still out on me on if he's here to stay. And yeah. the question of if he'll move up the lineup is, I think he should. I don't know that he will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think I can disagree with any of that, to be honest with you. And Hey, maybe Jamison Reese will be back by the time uh, Jarvis's nine games are up. So we can, uh, you know, natural replacement right there. Reese there you go. And give the kid a chance. All right. So, I, you know, I don't want to keep you around here too long. And as a matter of fact, I don't want to be on here too long because I've been editing all day already. I just want to stick <laughs> this on and be done. Um, but the reason, the real reason I brought you on here is so we could talk about the Jack Eichel trade. Um, obviously, it did get completed overnight. He is going to the Vegas Golden Knights. And in return, the Buffalo Sabres are getting Peyton Krebs, who is a very, very good playmaking prospect. Um, I think he's only 21 years old, something like that. So young it's only 20, as a matter of fact. Um, first round pick back in 2019. Um, and then also Alex Tuck, big power forward, um, been one of their key players for a couple of years now. Um, those guys are out. Jack Eichel in in Vegas. Um, what are your thoughts? There's a lot, I think, to this. Number right. one is, I think, just being happy for Jack Eichel that this entire <laughs> saga no, – I mean, obviously that he's free from Buffalo, but just that this entire saga – is over because this could not have been easy for him a physically because they haven't been letting him have the surgery that he wanted to fix his back issue and be mentally just the you know constant will they or won't they what am i doing where where am i going you know probably kind of just sitting there feeling like his hockey career is in limbo while this whole situation is playing out over months and months so i'm happy for him that he can go have the surgery that he wants to have can hopefully get healthy and you know move on with his life and his career um I mean for the teams I think Buffalo I mean look it's known 
what this situation has been for a long time. It's known what Eichel's health situation has been for a long time. Buffalo was never going to get a top dollar return here. I think to get a good player, a good prospect and some picks, they did all right. Um, Obviously, like if you'd seen this trade happen two years ago, their return would have been, this return would have been laughed at. And like, like we, we, like, we all, I'm sure you saw the thing that popped up today of somebody saying, like, well, you know, if the Hurricanes were involved, they probably would have given like Martin Natchez and a prospect and a first. And, and we're all sitting there like, oh, that's ridiculous. If this were two years right. ago, that wouldn't have been ridiculous for, well, for a number of reasons. But yeah, to your point, and- I, uh, I went on a, I went on a Sabres podcast not too long ago, or it was a while ago at this point because this was, I believe it was over the summer when the Hurricanes actually were in the rumors a little bit. And they asked me, what would a trade package look like for Eichel? And I was like, well, I mean, the obvious starting point, probably from Buffalo's point of view, it probably is a non-starter if the Hurricanes, you know, decide they don't want to do it. Um, it's not, it's Martin Natchez. That's exactly what I said. Like, that's probably the piece that's surely going back if this Hurricanes were to pull off an Eichel trade. And then, it, I mean, it's going to take another Suzuki type, at least. Like, a, maybe not a Jarvis type, but another good prospect, at least. Um, and I, I don't think that's too far off of the return here, just because Natchez is a more valuable piece than Tuck is, but Suzuki is a less valuable prospect than Krebs is, to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, I think the really interesting thing here looking at Vegas is like I, I saw an interesting tweet today. It's like Vegas has fans have never known a world where like their team isn't a cup contender and they don't like like think about how many t- times and it's hilarious too because it's like apparently like for Tampa Bay, the salary cap doesn't exist for that. But think <laughs> about how many times over the years now where you've had like the big fish in free agency or trade dominating the rumor mill and Vegas got them. They yeah. got Max Pacioretty. They got Mark Stone. They got Alex Petrangelo. They got Robin Leonard. And now they got Jack Eichel. Like right. that, it, it's great. I mean, that team is just, I mean, credit to them. You know, I, I am always down for the swing for the fences approach for the, yeah. if we have an opportunity to get good players, we're going to get, which I think that's, you know, you saw the report from Pierre Lebrun basically saying that the Hurricanes were involved, but not heavily involved. They were, I think they were basically in there like waiting to see if the price got to a point that they were comfortable with. Because you've heard Tom Dundon and Don Waddell say it, you know, dozens of times. If there's something that can improve our team, it's our job to look at it. Of course. If you're a GM, you know, you're probably not doing your job if you don't at least kick the tires when a player right. like Jack Eichel becomes available, <laughs> especially for pennies on the dollar compared yeah. to what his value could be if he's fully healthy and at his top form. But um, yeah, man, Vegas just, I mean, like eventually they're going to have to like, I mean, I feel like I've said this before, but like after this one, like, they're eventually not going to be able to keep landing the big fish. They're eventually not going to have any more assets to trade. And they're eventually going to have to pretend like they think the salary cap is real. <laughs> right. But for now, they, they did it again. I mean, and that's, you know, and they're kind of, it's interesting too, because you look at how deep their lineup is like Tuke's not like a horrific loss for them. And obviously Eichel's going to be out. I think it's four months, but they're, yeah, a team that can kind of afford to wait for that. And then all of a sudden 
you're getting a healthy Jack Eichel right before the playoffs. Exactly. So. He'll be fresh. He'll be healthy. He'll be, he'll have a lot to prove, I'm sure, and just be excited to be back out there. And I mean, let's not forget he's an elite hockey player, you know, it's he, been yeah, so that's, long. And I mean, that's why right. I think Buffalo like fell the shortest here. Cause I mean, it, this is a point we made last night when we were talking about this. Um, the longer they waited, that's doing two things. I mean, his value is just going to depreciate because a, you're getting him for a shorter amount of time and B like he just becomes more and more of a somewhat unknown and, and it's not really fair, but like he just hasn't played in a long time and he will have not played for a long time. Like when's the last time he suited up for an NHL game at this point? Like, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but yeah, I'd have to look. Yeah. It's just, they kind of shot themselves in a foot to a degree by not trading him sooner. And I, I mean, they can fall back on, Oh, we didn't get the package that, you know, we wanted, but you can't tell me that they haven't gotten a better package than this before. Now I'm not like, I don't think it's a terrible return for where they're at right now, but I think had they traded him before they probably could have got more for him. That's I, mean, I could be wrong, but that's just what I think. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're probably right. And it's, you know, you make a great point that like, it's been so long, like people have forgotten since we've seen a healthy, like Jack Eichel is, there's, I mean, he was like, there was a point, Connor McDavid separated himself, but remember the, that whole draft sweepstakes, it wasn't just like, it was the McEichel sweepstakes right. for a reason. Like, and McDavid and I, was always I, I first, but Eichel wasn't that far behind him. No, I, Eichel is, I mean, he's an elite center, which is something you always have to have, and he's got, He's got one of the best, just pure shots I've ever seen. I think I remember the Hurricanes playing a game against the Sabres his rookie year and him scoring a goal and me being like, oh, my God, like <laughs> that is just the release. And, yeah, so, no, it's – um, no, if, if he comes back fully healthy and at anywhere close to the level he was at before the injury, uh, I think we should all be – happy that Vegas plays in the Western Conference. Yeah, probably so. Um, and they're off to a little bit of a slow start this year. Um, I don't think anybody expects this to keep up and for them to, like, you know, by the time Michael's back, going to be out of playoff contention or something crazy like that. Right. But, I mean, <laughs> it's a lot like Tampa Bay last year, is it not? Like, they got Kucherov when the playoffs started, and now you're getting a star player that's fresher than anybody else on either team. The grind of an, I mean, even a 56 game season like last year. Wait. Yeah, 56 games, right? Last year? Yeah. yeah. And um, they were well, it was so condensed too last year. Right, right. But I mean, the ground of even that, well, now you're back to 82 games over seven months or however long it is. And, you know, guys are worn down. Like the NHL grind is, is serious. And yeah. everybody's got little nicks and little injuries and stuff like that. And, you know, on the flip side, he's probably going to have some rust, but he's going to be fresh. He's going to have jump. And that's going to be a big, big boost to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup chances this year. This might be the year they get it done. Maybe we'll see a Vegas Carolina Stanley Cup final. Who knows? That would be something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to your point, like with, you know, the regular season, like Tampa, like I think teams like Tampa and Vegas only place so much importance on the regular season because in the NHL, if you're that good of a team and you know, you can flip the switch. I mean, right. As long as you get in like your seed, like home ice doesn't matter that much in the playoffs and your seed. It's not like it's the NFL where if you get the first seed, you get a first round by like, you're playing that you have to win the same number of games to win the Stanley Cup 
no matter what seed you are. So yeah, I think I think we're starting to see some of these elite teams devalue the regular season a little bit. Well, maybe they should shorten it anyway. I don't know. That's a different conversation for a different day. But all right. Well, Andrew, thank you again so much for coming on. Um, I well, I'll just go ahead and say, if you're not following him, you should be. I'm guessing if you're smart enough to be listening to us, you're smart enough to be following this guy uh, at aschnit53 on Twitter. Yeah, a s c h n i t t five three. There it is. That's on Twitter. Uh, go follow him if you aren't already. Um, and we have a cute little outro from last night, so I'll go ahead and run that. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next week. Yeah, I don't think we have a whole lot left. Matt, why don't you take us take us into the abyss? Take us into the night. Lead us. Sorry. I'll, I'll bring it home. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lead you all to, well, into the well abyss. Done. That yeah. was well done, Brandon. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>